Hello friends and welcome to season four of Pride and Progress. We are delighted to launch our new season with a special episode in partnership with the National Education Union LGBT Plus Network and annual conference. The NEU is the largest education union and they use that powerful voice to effectively win improvements for their members' working conditions, but also to try and shape an education system that works for us all. The NEU believes that LGBT plus education professionals, pupils and families are vital members of all educational spaces, and they do a lot of work to ensure they're protected and included. This includes running NEU LGBT plus educators regional networks, support networks for specific identities, and of course, organising their annual LGBT plus educators conference. This weekend, they held their NEU LGBT plus educators conference in Birmingham. Uh, the conference was a weekend of celebration, education and protecting together. We were invited along for the weekend to capture the conference in this Pride and Progress special episode. That's right. We hope this episode will be an encouraging and empowering summary of the conference for those of you who are unable to make it this year, but also an opportunity for those of you who did attend to listen back and reflect on the lessons that you learnt over this weekend together. Now, a lot of this episode has been recorded in the conference, some of it in the conference hall, so the sound quality might not be perfect the whole way through. So it is now the Friday night of the NEU conference and everybody is beginning to arrive, settle in and prepare for a weekend together. The theme for this year's conference is celebrate, educate and protect together. Let's hear a little bit more about that theme. We are now joined by Hugh Tyndall-Jones, who is an organiser for the NEU, and Georgina Phillips, who is the Policy Officer for Gender and LGBT Plus Equality. So welcome both. Thank you. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Um, Hugh, could you tell us a bit about the theme for the conference this year? Yes, our, our theme this year is Celebrate, Educate, Protect Together. So looking at how we can celebrate our community, how we can pull together to protect it, but also how we can educate others. Brilliant. And why was that chosen as the theme this year? Why is that so important at this time? Um, we know that the LGBT plus community is under constant threat, and actually, but we also have a huge amount of strength within our community. And so it's about building that allyship, both within our own community and within the outside of that community, and bringing everyone together to stand with our more vulnerable members. Brilliant. That's so important. Thank you. Building on that, I think it was... we taking the theme as well based on what we were using for Pride last year as well and I think it's really great having Pride in June and we're now having the conference in February so timed with LGBT History Month it's kind of keeping up that rhythm and as Sue Sanders to say like usualizing LGBT plus identities like throughout the year at school so that it isn't just about these standalone days and that it just becomes part of like the natural rhythm of schools and that it is LGBT plus young people don't feel that like they're by themselves and LGBT plus educators don't feel like they're by themselves and kind of keeping building that sense of community from the conference outwards for the rest mm. of the year. Yeah, having it in February keeps that sense of momentum and that energy mm. and I think you can really feel that in the room. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I love the theme for this year's conference and in this episode we're going to dive into each of those words and try and capture as much of the conference as possible. So let's begin with the first word, celebrate. Yeah, I agree. That theme is really powerful already. Um, already, even at the beginning of the conference, there's a real sense of celebration as all the delegates arrive. And, you know, quite rightly, as there should be. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the conference this year is around 340 LGBT plus educators. And that in itself is an achievement to celebrate. 
We're in the main exhibition space of the conference and we've been asking guests at the conference what celebration means to them. We're here celebrating queer educators and role models. Celebrating creativity. Celebrating stories. Celebrating collaboration. Celebrating community. Celebrating friendship. Celebrating family. Celebrating queer joy. Celebrating freedom. Celebrating solidarity. We're celebrating ourselves. Oh, it was so great to hear so many reasons to celebrate. Uh, we've caught up with a few conference delegates to ask them why celebration is so important to them. Let's hear their answers. Hi, my name's Sophia, uh, pronouns are she, her, and I think celebrating is important because it's essential to take those moments in the day because life can be so difficult at the minute and, you know, reflect on why it's important to be you. My name's Graham, pronouns he, him. And I think it's really important that we're celebrating ourselves right now and celebrating our community because we're existing at a point in kind of modern history, or certainly in my lifetime, where things are quite grim and quite dark and, you know, rights are under threat. There's attacks on different sections of our community. So I think it could be really easy to just get depressed and bogged down in all of that negativity. So I think somewhere we have to lift ourselves out of it with some positivity and look at what's good about our community, the way we all come together, the solidarity, you know, the colours of the rainbow. Um, we've been fantastic supporting other sections, the, the intersectionality of our community, supporting black members in the union, supporting disabled members, neurodiverse members. We're absolutely amazing at that. And that's, you know, that's what we need to celebrate is our successes and what makes us unique. My name is Graham, uh, my pronouns are he, him, I uh, teach in the East Midlands. Um, celebrating is about, for me, it's about celebrating together and actually meeting, one meeting up with people I met last time here and meeting new people and I'm, I'm running a workshop with somebody that I've not met before and so that, that togetherness for me is something that is just, I'm absolutely loving and really looking forward to celebrating. There's such a brilliant celebratory energy throughout the conference here in Birmingham and it's been great to talk to delegates about celebration. Yeah, it's been really amazing. But as well as our delegates here, um, an NEU conference would not be complete without a market hall of brilliant exhibitors. Now we've just walked around the room and uh, there's such an amazing array of organisations including diversity role models, just like us, Mermaids, Pop and Ollie, Schools Out UK and Transactual. Yeah, we've been chatting to some of those exhibitors about the work that they do and what celebration means to their organisation. We are now joined by Frankie Cowper and Ellie McDonald from Just Like Us. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to have you both here. Now we're talking about celebration and Just Like Us does so much work related to celebrating. Tell us a little bit about the work that Just Like Us does. So the first programme that we run is School Diversity Week, which is a week-long celebration of LGBT plus inclusion, which happens in schools and colleges right from primary up to sixth form colleges across the UK. Um, signing up is free. Um, the week itself this year is the 24th to the 28th of June, so right at the end of Pride Month when you've done all of your celebrating, you can continue to celebrate. <laughs> and signing up, you get um, access to a portal of LGBT plus inclusive resources from EYFS up to Key Stage 5, posters, assemblies, 
form time sessions, everything that you could possibly want. And I'm a primary school teacher and I've used the resources that were aimed for, for primary phase and I'd really encourage primary school teachers to get involved and check out those resources. Ellie, tell us about some of the other work that Just Like Us does. Yeah, so we also run an ambassador programme which is training kind of 18 to 25 year old uh, university students and also just general young, anybody who's 18 to 25 can join the programme. Uh, they get trained in public speaking, they then go to schools and talk about their experiences growing up LGBT. So what kind of aim of this programme is, is to kind of give you know kids kind of like a role model who's kind of closer to them in age. Um, so yeah. It sounds great. It's such important work. Now later on the series we're going to do a full episode discussing Pride Groups and Just Like Us do amazing work in supporting schools with Pride Groups. But for now, could you give us a little flavour of what Just Like Us can do to support schools? So through our Pride Groups programme, we support either brand new groups, so if, you, if you're sort of nervous to set one up but you know that it will be really important, we can support you. But we also support lots of groups that have been running for many years. We support in various different ways. So one thing we do is we release new resources every fortnight. They're designed to be fun and educational, so they give you a little bit of structure, but they're still great fun to do with your group. They cover a huge variety of different topics, from black LGBT plus fashion icons to a romantic awareness week to World Book Day to LGBT plus trailblazers so a real mixture of things and they come with short suggestions of activities and also longer suggestions so whatever your time your group meets is something for you then also signing up you get access to our portal of resources that goes back several years with lots of different resources there's also lots of things like posters and publicity materials to help you get your group out there in your school there's also termly online training for both staff who are involved but also we run training for student leaders because we think that having student-led groups um, however that looks in your school is so vital and we have a student leader handbook as well um, and then we have lots of other opportunities so you get support from our team which is largely Ellie and I um, so with anything LGBT plus inclusive related um, but there's, you're also joining a network of over nearly 300 schools across the UK and staff who are doing this work in schools and there's lots of other opportunities too like awards and competitions It's amazing in so much work that you're doing to, to help schools to celebrate LGBT identities and LGBT community. If people want to find out more about any of the things you've discussed, where should they go? So you can go to our website, which is www.justlikeus.org, um, or you can email if you've got any questions. You can either go through our website or you can email info at justlikeus.org. Amazing, thank you so much. Thanks for thank joining you. us. <laughs> We're now joined by Sue Sanders, Lynn Nichols, and Sarah Cosgriff from Schools Out UK. One of the themes for conference this year is celebrate, and that's particularly relevant to you because we are celebrating LGBT History Month, which has just started. Um, Sue, could you tell us a little bit about what LGBT History Month is? Well, it's an opportunity for people to celebrate the existence of lesbian, and gay, bisexual, trans people. And we set it up in 2004, just after the horrendous Section 28. Now, if you don't know about Section 28, I'm thrilled on some levels, but go onto the website and put Section 28 into the website and you will discover oodles of information about what happened and why for 15 years and 
schools, so many people said nothing about LGBT and a lot of homophobic bullying happened. So when it finally went in 2003, Paul Patrick and I, who were at that point the co-chairs of Schools Out, decided we wanted to make a difference, we wanted to give people the opportunity to celebrate LGBT people, so we set up LGBT History Month. And the first one was in January 2005. And it has just grown phenomenally because so many people have grabbed that month with great creativity and imagination. So there are now hundreds of events every February. And the point is that I don't want us to be just stuck in February, that the month is a seed for people to learn more and then stretch right the way through the year and celebrate the existence of a massive diversity of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender people. Brilliant. And Lynn, tell us about the theme for this year. The theme for this year is medicine and it's under the scope and we're totally excited about it. We have been, as LGBT people, fundamental in shaping medicine and healthcare throughout the ages and people just don't know about it. So we've picked five people, it was really hard, but we've picked five people who are LGBT plus who have done awesome things in medicine through across the centuries and 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 we just want you to learn more. And we're doing 28 people throughout the month, you can learn about oodles of people through. But we also wanted to talk about our complicated relationship with medicine. Mm. And I guess it's complicated as an understatement. Going from being hidden in medicine to being seen needing to be as a mental health disorder, to seen needing to be cured, to actually getting health care and rights today. And it's still a journey. And we have to celebrate how far we've come in that journey. And actually, it's only been our recent um, being able to access health care has only been in recent years. Um, so we've come so far, but we have medical inequalities still today, and we want to highlight those so that we can change those and improve things. And that's the theme this year. I love the theme. I love what you said about celebrating how far we've come. And if teachers listen to this podcast, want to celebrate LGBT History Month, get involved in this year's theme, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about the resources that are available for teachers this year? So we have a load of free resources that you can uh, download from our website. We've got different packs for different age groups. Uh, We also have five videos. Uh, They're short videos uh, of our five historical figures that we are highlighted this year. So we have Sophia Jex Blake, Cecil Melvin Clark, Margaret Stacey, Ewan Forbes and George Ward. So those are things that you can use in your schools. Uh, but we also are taking bookings for presentations as well if any schools would like us to speak uh, about LGBT Plus History Month, about the theme and our historical figures. Uh, please get in touch through the website. Yeah, the resources are brilliant. I'd encourage you to check them out. And if you want to support Schools Out and LGBT Plus History Month, then go and buy a badge. I'm wearing my badge. All of us have got a badge on. Sue, could you tell us a little bit about where people can go to get involved, support and buy a badge? (laughs) I do giggle because, yes, the badges are something that I'm kind of infamous for. Um, We we don't get any core funding for LGBT History Month. All the work is done by amazingly unpaid volunteers. (laughs) Apart from Sarah, we've just managed to get a little bit of pot of money so she works for us one day a week. So without the funding, um, we have now hit upon this idea of having a badge every year that goes with the theme. So you have a different badge every year. We, the price has stayed the same since 2005. It's still three quid or two for a fiver. And we have a shop on the website. You can buy the badges from the website. You can buy an LGBT History Month lanyard. And we also have some fabulous books, including yours, of course. So the shop is there, and that's the chance to really support us. The other way, of course, of supporting us is to use 
use our resources and to enable people to know and to celebrate the wonderful diversity of LGBT plus people. Thank you. And, and Sue, you're not here this weekend at the conference on your own. Sue's here this weekend with her partner, Jean. Jean, hello. Hi. Um, I, can I just say how, how special and I think important it is for people at the conference, myself included, to see an example of a long-lasting, loving lesbian relationship. Tell us, Jean, how long have you been together now? We met in uh, 1988, um, a year after each of us had lost a parent in 87. Um, and she was setting up a little talking group for lesbian psychology, a book that had just come out, not from Boston. And uh, all the authors on the book are also from Boston, Massachusetts. And I got um, told about the meeting, so I went along and met Sue and thought, here's somebody I need to get to know better. And uh, unusually, I made the first move. There we go. <laughs> yes. And look at you both now. How many years later? 36. 36. It'll be 36 in June since we actually had a date. Yeah. Nice. And, and for people who are listening now, and I know we have a lot of kind of younger teachers that listen, ECTs listening, maybe younger lesbian teachers who maybe don't see that representation as, as often. How, what do you think about, how important is that for them to see? I think it's crucial and I think the thing that, that about Jean's and I relationship is that we are we're co-workers um, you know, one of the first things we did when we got together was, was to write um, an assertion training booklet um, and that was a bit of fun um, and we've also written other stuff together and it's Jean who always um, edits my work and, and makes sure that I'm, I'm clear of, I'm, my thinking isn't always as clear as it could be and Jean is an NLP practitioner she's a therapist she's an ex-social worker so all those skills come together and it's just phenomenal uh, it, it really makes you know keeps me honest and Jean Sue is incredibly busy every time we, we talk to Sue she's had a really busy day how, how, how is it helping to manage Sue with such a busy life well um, Sue works 24 7 um, I often say to her it's nine o'clock at night and you're taking a call really <laughs> But uh, she's been committed to supporting LGBT teachers ever since I've known her, and I, I'm proud to support the work she does. Um, uh, it's fun working with her most of the time, and I like to do the cooking of the kitchen czar. Uh, and I think every relationship falls into these patterns, don't they? But Sue, is, uh, Sue pulls her weight, I pull mine, and occasionally we pull together, which works really well. <laughs> oh, Jean, it's been such a pleasure to meet you and talk with you. And, and Sue, as ever, we're so grateful for the work that you do. And, and Jean, grateful for you enabling and helping Sue along with that work as well. Yeah. Proud to do it. Proud to Thank do you both so much. It's now the Saturday morning at conference and last night was such a great introduction. The conference has a, a great and really needed sense of community. I mean, it's just amazing seeing over 300 LGBT plus educators come together. Oh, honestly, it's just incredible. And this morning, the conference kicked off with an amazing introduction from Casey DeGroot, uh, the NEU LGBT plus executive member. Casey set the tone for a brilliant, inclusive conference space, uh, and we caught up with Casey to ask her what this year's theme means to her. Casey, hello. Hello. And the... Again. Again. <laughs> Was it really a year ago? I can't believe it. I knew. <laughs> and the, the theme for conference this year is um, to celebrate, educate and protect together. I'd love to know what that theme means to you. 
that's at the heart of every, I think everything we do. Like we we always we have a meeting, the organising forum. We sit down and we decide, okay, what do we want to be the theme for this year, and we base it on what's going on. Um, at our annual conference last year, we did uh, our our reception for the national conference was we th- we called it Queer Joy, and it was it was joyful. Like it it was a really beautiful ex- beautiful space to be in. We people talked about and shared their experiences of what that kind of joy felt as an educator. And we wanted that to be part of um, conference. But at the same time, we know that we're absolutely being attacked. And that kind of protection, particularly for trans young people, students that we teach, like their protection was there. So it didn't feel like we could just have the whole thing about celebration and queer joy at this time. That's just not the reality. So we kind of, we wanted something that encapsulates all of what we do. Obviously we're educators, which is that part of it. We have to, we educate the students, but we also, as trans and non-binary and LGBT plus educators within our network and black LGBT plus educators, we also need to educate people so that the kind of oppressions that they perpetuate and do to us can stop. So it's about educating people um, in the wider community it is still about celebrating and expressing that joy, but it's absolutely about protecting those those kids and students. And I feel like the balance is, you know, it's been so lovely being here, you know, into the last 24 hours, the balance is perfectly struck, I think. I think through the keynotes, through the conversations, we were just saying before we started recording, we think we've, we've spoken to maybe half the people here are either ECTs or trainees, and that importance of queer joy and that importance yeah. of having solidarity. But as you say, that theme of protect and being togetherness is really important right now, obviously with the, the government guidance that's recently come out. So yeah. could you perhaps speak around that a little bit in terms of the messaging this yeah. weekend around that and what we can do to support our colleagues? Uh, it's um, it's just been a perfect storm, really. Mm. A, a lot, obviously the people in our network are at the heart of, um, of the prejudice from leadership sometimes who are ignorant, who don't quite understand the nuance. We, we generally, we would look to the government to protect us. We would have things like the EHRC, Equalities and Human Rights Commission. That seems to have been completely captured. We can't depend on that anymore. And school leaders, they're making decisions. They're, they're under their own pressures. They have their own kind of duties to do for the government and to, and to kind of educate the students in those schools. So they're trying to make decisions that they think are right. There's very few of them who are going setting out to try and be transphobic or homophobic what they're trying to do is do what they think is right. And the problem is that the government are not sending a clear message. They haven't been doing so for a long time because ideologically they want to be anti-trans. Yes. And, you know, we can see it. We, you know, we would have, we would have laws about um, conversion therapy in place yeah. if it wasn't for trans and non-binary people, because they wouldn't bring in that law for conversion therapy unless they preclude trans and non-binary people that's that's if that's not evidence that they don't like trans and non-binary people evidence doesn't exist it you know it's it's obvious so that it's just spread to the students so there isn't guidance that in a clear way and again they want their guidance they wanted they've wanted to launch guidance that is clear clearly transphobic but their legal teams have told them you can't say that because the equality act is the law that Mm. is in place so guidance is not, if it's not statutory, it doesn't need to be followed. So they've tried again, they've tried, they've avoided and they've, they've delayed and they just haven't put out the guidance. And now they've, they've not, still not put out guidance, they've put out draft guidance to mm-hmm. hear, hear about it. Well, that's happened before. Mm-hmm. We know what trans kids need because the evidence is overwhelming that they need supporting and protecting, but that's not what they want to say they want, they're going to do. 
So that that's left. It's create. It's not created a vacuum. It's actually created a kind of negative space for school leaders, where they literally don't know what to do. The media, the, the right wing media, the newspapers, they're jumping on stories. They're turning things into stories. So again, the schools, the school leaders can't really win. So that that's the awful reality of where we are. What we're what we're saying, and what is absolutely uh, some of the sessions I've been here at the conference is that it's about safeguarding, it's about centering the student, and it's about being safe. If a, if a kid comes to an educator and says that they're trans or non-binary, that's not in itself a risk. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be. Mm-hmm. It does mean there's, there's every likelihood that in the future, if they're going to be out about it, they're going to get bullied. Perhaps their friendship groups might be precarious because of that. Mm-hmm. They might have pressures at home because of that. And they might have kind of self, you know, kind of almost mental health problems that come about because of the way that trans and non-binary people are seen in society. All of those things make safeguarding issues, potentially. But if a kid is completely happy and fine with their transness, and they're like, yes, I'm transgender, so what? Please use they, them pronouns now. Like, that, that's just not a problem. Yeah. They might change their mind in three months' time, and like, so what? Mm-hmm. Like, we just carry on supporting them and say, okay, now you're, you're not they, them anymore, now you're back to he, him, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just, it's such a small as as thing. That. It's as simple as that. But the government have kind of created this weird forest of confusion for for people. So, you know, our advice has to be the same. It's not statutory. It's guidance. If schools were to follow it, and again, I think this is probably going to come through the legal, this is the legal position from lots of kind of people who are cleverer with the law than I am, is that the guidance is, is, would be, schools would be breaking the law, actually, Mm -hmm. if they followed this guidance. So, you know, we're just in this situation of waiting for it all to come out. But the advice is be safeguard kids, put the kids at the centre of it. If a kid says to you they're trans or non-binary, they're happy for you to talk to their parents and talk to them with them, help help broker and negotiate those conversations. But if a kid say to you, don't tell my parents, don't tell their parents, please, because that's the safeguarding risk. And again, we centre the kid. And actually, uh, what you've just described there isn't just best practice. It's also what is the statutory safeguarding guidance in keeping children safe in education. Absolutely. That's what our our, um, colleagues should be looking at. Now, we want to give some really clear advice around that consultation and how to get involved in that. So later today, we're going to talk to the Trans and Non-Binary Network of Teachers and hear from mermaids as well. But there's one thing I want to ask just while we've got you here. If we, if we have people listening to our podcast today who aren't members of the NEU or maybe aren't involved or active in their membership, what advice would you have for those people? Well, my first advice is, abs- like, and do you know what? There was an old rep at my, at my school, my workplace, who'd been a member for years and years and was a workplace rep. He said to me, do not set foot in a school unless you're in a union. Now, that's like the first advice. See it as a kind of insurance policy because you do not want to be... Um, in a in a situation, a legal situation, accusations, false accusations, all of these kind of things and difficulties without being in a union. So really, you've got to be in a union. So so from there, just be involved because again, like I, I said this today to the conference, the union isn't something that's done to you. Mm-hmm. It's not like a government that boss you around and bully you. The union is you. And and again, there's we have. We make, we make democracy at the heart of what we do and we ask for people to, to contribute and we make decisions collectively. So, so get involved. Casey, cool. thank you so much for your time. This conference has been absolutely pleasure. incredible. Um, we thank you for your hard work in organising <laughs> it and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, and if, if this is still being recorded, I'd love to thank the staff 
because our staff who who have kind of actually really have done the work for it have been incredible this year. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much. Everything that Casey just said was really echoed as well this morning in what Daniel Covede said, who is the NEU General Secretary, who opened up the morning after Casey's original introduction. And I think through both of their speeches today, it's been really clear why the NEU chose that theme, celebrate, educate and protect together, because those words are really running through every conversation that we're having at the conference here. We've already talked a bit about the importance of celebrating. So now let's move on to think a little bit about that second theme, educate. Yeah, the conference is a great social opportunity, but it's also a great opportunity for learning. There is so much educational content for the delegates here to take away. Throughout the conference, there's been an incredible range of educational workshops and sessions for delegates. And we've been catching up with some of them this afternoon to ask what they've learned so far. I'm Laura Sheher. I went to the mermaid session this morning and it just reinforced for me how important it is as educators to stand up for our trans students right now and also our trans colleagues as well. I think um, there's a lot of politics and things being aimed in their direction and I think coming together at conferences just really reinforced that for me that actually it's up to it's up to the allies to stand up and we shouldn't just leave it leave it all to the people that are in the, the midst of it at the moment. Hi, I'm Bex, my pronouns are she and her and I'm here at the NEU LGBT Plus Educators Conference. Um, it's been really great, it's my first ever conference as a delegate um, and also a member of the organising forum and I've learnt quite a lot, I've been to a couple of sessions um, and the one that stood out for me was a session on embedding more role models into STEAM subjects, so science and the arts um, and I went to that because I think that that's one of the hardest areas to embed um, and one of the things I learnt was the need for interdisciplinary approaches, so using poetry, the arts, drama and history to support your STEM subjects and your STEM colleagues um, and we wrote some poetry which was pretty nice um, so there's quite a lot I can take back there and then obviously the school's out LGBT History Month session was great um, to just see so many people making a pledge right there and then to go and to start doing something because there's no excuse and it's better to do something than to do nothing at all. So they're my key takeaways. Hi, my name's Emily, my pronouns are she, her, and at the conference I've been learning about the different sort of trials that a young teacher will take um, and have during their first few years in education and different methods we can do to sort of support them, like sort of expressing our sort of our own weaknesses with our classes so they can be supported and know that those difficulties can affect everyone. As well as speaking to delegates who have been part of these sessions, we've also been speaking to some of the facilitators who have been leading these sessions at conference this weekend. We're now joined by Claire and Becky who have just run their session on inclusive mindsets. Tell us a little bit about how it went. 
Yeah, it was a thrilling opportunity. We were just saying that we met here a year ago at conference for the first time, and now we're back here as facilitators. So it really shows the power of conference and the community that it can bring. And I think our session was really powerful. We had some really engaging discussions, really interesting discussions around how we can be more inclusive with our language, classroom practice, and content in primary settings. And what we're really pleased with was how interactive people made it. You're always worried you, you prepare a session and you think no one's going to react to it or they're all just going to sit in stony silence and then yeah. just unleash on the feedback form. But everyone straight away was into it. They were making really good comments. We got loads of good feedback. And uh, I think what strikes me is that loads of people have signed up to just make one little change. I think if one little change in all of those 20 schools will filter out eventually it's going to make a real difference yeah absolutely that yeah. ripple effect isn't it that, that's that, that it small little change that bit of education that bit of new learning that's now going to go and impact a yeah. bunch of schools across the country I, and one thing that becky talked about was um that uh, intersectionality is just one part of children's identity so she tells a story about there's a book about a deaf girl who goes on adventure and being deaf is such a small part of it that it's normal and if children see that, it becomes normal. And loads of schools do inclusion for inclusion's sake. Oh, we've got a deaf child joining, we need to do a story about a deaf child. But if it's done as a, as a normal thing, that all the time the children are exposed to stories with loads of different ex intersectional aspects, they're going to grow up better people. Yeah, and we were talking about that incidental representation, which is what Claire was talking about there, where it's not necessarily about the intersectional trait, but it's just going on an adventure and they happen to have that trait and it's really engaging for the young people. They see themselves represented and I'm a strong believer that you've got to see it to be it. And without that representation, you just can't. So that's really powerful and hopefully today I've been able to share the resource that I've been creating called the Short Intersectionality, which will be a platform where um, educators can find books to suit um, children of all intersections and multiple intersections in different books to help improve their practice. So hopefully that will be a really lovely thing that comes out today for our young people to give them the best that they deserve. Mm, and the resource you just talked about is great. So in the show notes we'll have a link to the website where you can see that resource. But thank you both so much for your time and for talking to us today. Thanks for having us. What a joy. I'm here with Jack Lynch, who is the workshops and training lead at Pop and Ollie. And the second theme for the conference this weekend is about education. And you've just been leading one of the workshops, educating the teachers here. So tell us a little bit about your workshop and how it went. Absolutely. So our workshop is called LGBT Plus Inclusive and Welcoming Schools. And it is all about schools that are taking the first steps to become more welcoming and inclusive. So this is for all teachers and all staff. And it's really about promoting a culture of inclusivity in primary schools and six practical steps on how to do that. It's really about teachers going away with practical tools that they can deliver on Monday morning, but also thinking about the longer term cultural changes in their school to make it more inclusive. So we go through legislation, uh, we go through mental health statistics, we go through why LGBT plus education is so important and specifically at primary. And we finish with these great practical steps. And we've had such good feedback from the session. I love it. it was fantastic we had tears we had hugs we had cheers it was fantastic it was Incredible. so like queer and beautiful and it was fantastic I loved it that is exactly <laughs> what education should be about that's Absolutely. so exciting now um, if people want to find out more
before on season three, episode seven of our podcast, we spoke to Ollie Pike from Pop and Ollie. You can go and listen to that full episode if you'd like. But just to remind everybody, tell us a little bit about the work that you do and where they can find out more about you. Of course. So Pop and Ollie is the UK's leading provider of LGBT plus education resources for primary age children, carers, parents and teachers. Uh, and we provide uh, LGBT plus inclusive storybooks, uh, non-fiction inclusive books, um, but also hundreds of primary school resources from medium term plans to lesson plans to worksheets and activities. We also provide teacher training and school visits as well uh, as a bunch of other things, including our brand new document on how to have discussions that are positive and engaging with parents about LGBT plus education. We have sold over 30,000 of our books and over 10,000 of those have been donated to UK primary schools as part of our Pride in Primary campaign. Um, we've also got millions of viewers on our YouTube channel of our free inclusive YouTube videos that are being used in primary schools across the UK and actually beyond into Canada and the US and elsewhere. So yeah, we are the hotspot for primary education resources all to do with LGBT plus education. Amazing. And I really would encourage people to check out that resource for, for um, navigating parental conversations. It's brilliant, really useful. Yeah, really I wrote it myself with our head of education, Mel Lane, uh, and it's we're so excited. We genuinely think it's going to be groundbreaking and have some, such positive feedback from teachers. So yeah, really excited to check it out. Amazing. Jack, thank you so much for talking to us. Thanks. Of course. Thank you. It's late in the Saturday afternoon of conference now, and what an inspiring day it's been so far. This conference has been an opportunity to celebrate, to educate, and the third word in the theme this year is to protect. That word protection feels so important in our community at the moment. Hate crimes based on sexual orientation have risen over the last five years, and those faced by trans people have risen by an even higher number. There's this increasing anti-trans rhetoric in the media and the government has just released their non-statutory draft guidance for consultation around transgender students who they are calling gender questioning children. That draft guidance risks further challenges in our educational spaces. Daniel Cobedi, the NEU General Secretary, spoke passionately and clearly about that this morning in his keynote. Mm. We caught up with a few of the exhibitors at the conference to tell us why Protect is an important part of this year's conference theme. We're now joined by Tammy Hymas, who's the Policy and Campaign Manager at Mermaids, and Matthew from the TMB Education Network. And we want to talk a little bit about the government's draft guidance and the consultation and how people can get involved. So one of the themes this weekend is to, we're talking about celebrating, educating, but also protecting. And, and that relates really, really closely to the, the consultation. Um, Matthew, could you tell our listeners a little bit about the draft guidance and the consultation? Yes, so the Department for Education has issued this draft guidance. Um, we obviously have significant concerns about it, as I think do a lot of people, and as indeed did the government's own lawyers, who it's emerged have did advise them that what they're issuing was likely to be illegal and put schools and teachers at risk of being sued if they tried to follow it. Um, 
it is at the moment just draft guidance, so there is absolutely no reason why any schools should be implementing it at this stage. Obviously, we want to see not really just significant changes. I think we want to see a complete rewrite from scratch if they are going to press ahead with issuing this guidance. Um, it's in consultation until the 12th of March, um, so we strongly encourage everybody to respond. The more responses, the better, both from individuals and from organisations, schools, charities, whatever it may be. Um, the Stonewall and Mermaids and a bunch of other charities have got together and done a really great guide on how to respond. One of the key things when responding is to use your own words because duplicate responses may not be counted. Um, yeah, it is worrying to hear that some schools have already started implementing this guidance. That should not be happening. And as we say, the government's own lawyers, as well as many other legal experts, have said that following the guidance in its current draft form is likely to put schools at risk of legal action. Brilliant. And, and um, Tammy, thank you so much for you and your colleagues' work in creating that guide for people who want to fill in the consultation in a meaningful way. Could you tell people a little bit more about that guide and where they can find that information? Yeah, of course. So the consultation is long um, and it's also confusing uh, and at places quite vague. Um, so our aim, um, a, a group of organisations, Stonewall, Mermaids, LGBT Foundation, Gendered Intelligence and the Trans Learning Partnership, we've teamed up to try and help teachers, young people and anyone else concerned to respond. So the guide can be found on uh, the Supportive Schools campaign website. This is a coalition of over 40 organisations who have uh, collectively decided that we must oppose the government guidance because of all the reasons that Matthew talked about today. Um, so you can go on the Supportive Schools campaign website. It's also being hosted by Stonewall. Um, so you can go and have a look at a nice drop-down menu there. Um, and it gives you little tips for all 42 questions on how you can make your voice most heard. Um, and what we would say is that you want to try and write in your own words as much as possible. And the reason for that is because the civil servants want to just put all of our answers into one blob and say, look, all the trans activists are saying this. What we're saying is, no, you need to say, how do you think that the guidance would impact trans young people in the school? How would it make their education experience worse? That's what you need to, we need to hear from you, so please do respond by the 12th of March. Yeah, we really strongly encourage anyone listening to look at the resource that Tammy's just described and all of the other supporting resources that um, are part of the TMB's website and then make sure that you are part of that consultation, have your voice heard and share the concerns that you have in relation to that guidance. When I think about this theme of protection, Adam, I think really about safety. And safety, in my mind, is so closely tied to belonging. I think belonging is so important and has really clearly been thought out carefully in the design of this conference. Yeah, there is a real intentional and, and deliberate sense of belonging in all of the NEU's LGBT plus work. I mean, not only is there this wide sense of belonging, there's also specific caucuses and groups here at conference to ensure everybody feels like they belong. Yeah, today there's been meetings of the Women's Caucus, the Trans and Non-Binary Caucus, the Black LGBT Plus slash Queer Educators of Colour Caucus, an Asexual slash Aromantic Caucus and a Caucus for People of Faith. Good morning, once more. It is Sunday morning and the final day of the conference. Yesterday was a busy day, but also a gorgeous day. It was so... Brilliant to be around so many LGBT educators, to see them networking, getting to know each other and all learning together. 
Last night, the day ended with an amazing award ceremony hosted by Travis Alabanza. And it was such a lovely opportunity to celebrate the great work that's going on in our community and the amazing work that's happening in the different regions um, as part of the NEU. Mm, and I had a chance to have a chat with Travis afterwards about the theme for conference this year and what it means to them. We have just finished the NEU award ceremony on the Saturday night, which was hosted by Travis Alabanza, and we're joined by Travis now. Now, the theme of this weekend is to celebrate, educate, and protect together. So, Travis, I would love to know, that theme, what does it mean to you? Babes, I mean, we've literally just come off hosting, and I feel like... I just feel like celebrating the teachers. Like mm. for me, I was so, sometimes you take a gig, you don't know what to expect. And I kind of didn't prepare emotionally for like what it would mean to see so many queer teachers out like doing it. And like when I was in school, that just wasn't it. And I'm still young and I, even 10 years ago, school wasn't like that old 15 or whatever many years. So I want to celebrate the queer teachers because I think that it's like not a small thing to be out in school and the impact it has on a school or like, I don't know, I was looking for one out teacher mm. in my school and we didn't have one. And now that teachers are out and like, that's incredible, that's amazing. There's, there's 340 plus LGBT educators here. How did that feel to be in front of that crowd? Teachers are hot. So mm-hmm. I will just say that education is hot, teaching is hot. It was really hot to be in front of the crowd, but also like less jokey. I did mean what I said at the end of the hosting, um, you know, I'm never fully earnest, but I think that was a true earnest moment for me was that, like, it's nice to say thank you in, like, the less, like, obnoxious way I can, but, like, I really am blown away when teachers tell me that they're teaching my work or that they have my work in schools. Like, that kind of trips me out. And so for the ability to say, like, thanks genuinely to some of the queer teachers that teach students my work means so much because like you actually I know people online go like thank you to fans like that's not my tea I don't do that Mm -hmm. but like thank you to readers and actually so much of my readership is school kids um you know I when I see them at my shows they've highlighted like my book and they're like my teacher recommended it to me because they maybe came out to their teacher and asked for some material and then the teacher gives some of my work like that's a cycle that is really beautiful and often I get to meet the student that that's happened to but not meet the teacher and Mm. so I was actually quite emotional and that was before the vodka lime sodas. (laughs) (laughs) Our podcast will be listened to by lots of educators that weren't able to be here and weren't part of that room. Is there anything that you would want to say to the teachers, the education of this country in relation to how we best support trans and non-binary young people? Look, I'm sure you'll have loads of lots of clever people give lots of different things about specifics and trans and non-binary people, but I think I'm inspired to just say save the arts. Mm-hmm. I think that like what's happening to the cuts in the arts in schools is devastating. And of course, there's lots of really important policies specific to trans people. But actually for me, if I didn't have the arts, I would have has had an even worse time at school. And I was actually quite lucky that I think I felt myself in school, but that's because I felt empowered in the arts. Mm. And the fact that so many schools I go to now are fighting to keep open their drama departments, their art departments, their music departments is so sad. There's a reason why we see so many queer people in those spaces. And so, yeah, all the policies aside, I'm not educated enough in specifics of all the different policies that are happening in schools right now. And I'm sure there's other people that have said all that much better. But I'll just say, like, we need to save the arts. And I think that... 
if there's teachers in schools that are in subjects that are more stable and respected, like maths or science or languages, they need to show solidarity to mm. the students and teachers that need the arts because, yeah, I just actually wouldn't be here without my drama teacher and drama. And so, yeah. Dramas for the queer kids, you know what I mean? That's right. Um, Travis, thank you so much for being part of this conversation, but also part of the conference for the NAU this weekend more broadly. Thanks, I'm so glad we did this. So, Joe, we're here on the last day now at the end of the conference on Sunday. Um, how have you found it? I've loved this weekend to be here with over 340 LGBT plus educators, to see them all coming together to celebrate, to educate, to talk about protection, and, and most importantly, to, to be together in community. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what cases yesterday or the day before, the fact that this is about hope, it's about queer joy, but it's also about the idea that actually it's a, it's a challenging time for the LGBT community right now. And Sue said yesterday in her uh, uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, about the importance of standing together and solidarity. And I think that's a really important theme that's come through from this conference. That's right. It's been a pleasure to be here this weekend to capture this conference for everybody. I hope this episode has been a um, useful reminder for those of you who were here this weekend about all the brilliant things that happened. And for anyone who wasn't able to be here, I hope it's been a good summary for you to be able to catch up on everything that happened. Absolutely. And thank you to any of you for having us. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd be really grateful if you could leave a review or a five-star rating, as this helps other educators to find these stories. If you want to continue the conversation, to comment or to ask a question, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pride Progress. You can also find other ways to contact us in the show notes. Thanks for listening. 